Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Coming up, I sit down with popular podcaster, talk show host, and bourbon expert Tim Young. Our conversation is next. First, let's talk coffee and bacon. How about bringing them both together in the Doc Thompson Bacon Blast, created for and named after our late friend Doc Thompson, who made a special request of Dave Matthews and American Pride Roasters coffee. And the unique flavor that resulted may not be for everyone, but it is an experience that you should try. The salty and smoky flavor of the Doc Thompson Bacon Blast is very memorable. Uh, There's also a chocolate version as well. Give them a try. And give all of the amazing flavors that APR Coffee has put together over there, aprcoffee.com. You will find a blend or many that uh, you will fall in love with. Absolutely. Uh, So many amazing flavors uh, over there, aprcoffee.com. Use promo code ATM for 10% off at checkout. That's aprcoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Tim Young is my guest this week on At The Mic, and honestly, I have no idea how to introduce this podcast here today, because when I hit record at his house recently, uh, he just started talking, and so we'll just pick it up right there. Uh, Tim Young, one of a kind, he's my guest this week on At The Mic. And if I clear this... That will fit over here nicely. If I clear my, uh... Yeah. Wow. If I clear all the paperwork... Then that thing will go right there? It'll just go... No, it just sits right on it, on this. Yeah. On this locker. I like it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's what do you think of Topo Chico? That was the first time. I like it a lot. Thanks. We should be recording this. We are recording this. Are we? Mm-hmm. <coughs> That's your first ever Topo? Sure is. How long have you lived in Texas? I don't know. Why do you hate Mexican people? Wow. Uh, Did you see that there's a, um, their logo is a topless woman that's in shape. That's, hey, look at the little circle on that Topo Chico bottle. Okay. I didn't, I never paid attention to it. Like nobody ever pays attention to the, um, <laughs> the mermaid on Starbucks. Yeah. There's a, a, a wow. beautiful Mayan woman. I see that. And, um, I don't even have my glasses with me. And I do see. Yeah, you can see it. It's all side boob on Topo wow. Chico. Topo Chico. Yeah. So this is my first Topo Chico uh, mineral water. You don't like it? I've I seen a, it everywhere. Would you like a? Um, I already said I do like it. I have it. a bottle glorifier for Topo Chico because I I I'm a hoarder and I get I get given everything. And I was at like the the best of. Here's a brick for you to put it on. I was at the best of uh, oh, Fort Worth event that I got free tickets to, and then the Topo Chico stand because everybody was drinking. Uh-huh. They had 15 cases of Topo Chico left, tiny Topo Chico. I gave you a big one. I gave you an adult one because I'm a, a generous person. Obviously. But I had, uh, I, they were like, they had 14 cases left. They're like, how many do you want? And I was there. My friend had taken me, who was a, a rep for Bardstown Bourbon. And uh, I was like, I'll take four. Because I thought for some reason five would be too much for her. She had a uh, SUV. I should have taken all fourteen to be honest with you, but because mm. they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt it. They, I mean, just the bottle itself looks like a a collector's item. They, I was stone sober at this event, and I'm such like a filthy beggar that I got uh, the bottle glorifier. I got half of their display. <laughs> Did you see the the bottle openers over there? Were yeah, Chico bottle openers. Nice. Got them. That's what I use. I got two different T-shirts, a bandana. Two different pairs of socks. Like I literally like cleaned them out, and I'm I'm like proud of myself. Like I I've given away the socks, but I I like hoard. Like if somebody gives me free things, I just take them all. 
Well, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Uh, I think I have more of a problem than you, though. Well, and the thing that stinks... And by the way, if you haven't already um, deduced... I'm you here do with an intro, Tim Young. I do do it. I listen to the. I, I listen. Do, do unlike intro. the other ungrateful guests on your show, sure, you actually listen. I and and mainly because I was stuck in the car for sixteen hours. <laughs> I listened to a couple of them. <laughs> okay, I want to be Dave Landell's best friend. Yeah, Dave Landell is awesome. Let me write this down. Hang on. Um, okay, Let, let's back up here. You, you ever interview women? You bigot. I do interview women. Yes. How many episodes have you listened to? Not enough. So, um, yeah. I wanted to revisit something, though, that you had just said. Um, oh, being a hoarder. So, check yeah. this out. Because I have that tendency, too. I really do. You see, I got a bookshelf behind you. I have a, a, a display shelf now behind you of oh, bourbon. Nice. I got two of those. So, hold on. Before Such you get into a dangerous story, place for me to visit here. Because the problem is, like, people know that I collect advertising and stuff. And uh-huh. so... A guy, like oh. literally, a guy that runs the wine bar down the street was like, hey, I have two advertising racks for uh, for mm-hmm. bourbon. You want them? And I'm like, of course I do. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Um, but what I was going to say, it's dangerous to live in North Texas and be a hoarder because we don't have basements. I have a garage. You have a garage. My garage is. I get my garage organized and then within three or four weeks, it's back to being a uh, uh, this unmanageable beast. Do you have that issue? Because we're sitting no. right now in your uh, living room area, and uh, I'm surrounded by collectibles, and <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Um, I, I it, like I was saying, it's dangerous for me to come over here because every time I do, I just see bourbon everywhere. Yeah, and I just don't want to leave. You'd think I'd drink more. <sighs> That's the interesting thing is that like I had a guy try to insult me on um, Getter. This this there's this clown. I won't name him, but there's a clown who has been run off of almost every social media platform. He said I was a sloppy drunk. That was one of his things. And I'm like, I'm not. A, actually, I'm. my problem is that I'm not. Like, I have, like, so, like, okay, so the other day I have the, we're sitting next to a Yellowstone bottle glorifier that is basically just a piece of cardboard on a, a hunk of brass from, like, 1953, uh-huh. 1955. And so I had to go buy, I didn't have a Yellowstone bottle to put on it, so I had to go buy a Yellowstone bottle the other day from Costco for, like, $35. Oh. Just at the, like, who? Oh. Goes, so that bottle did not come with, that's an actual bottle of the booze, obviously, on there. But, like, I went and bought a bottle of Yellowstone bourbon to throw on, on just because it looks cool. And because otherwise that bottle glorifier just looks like an empty piece of paper. No, I see. I, I know exactly what you're saying. That's cool that you have people always looking out for you, though, man, that are sending you stuff. Does it ever get overwhelming that yes. you get so much stuff sent? Yeah. No, like, or, you wouldn't or, dissuade anybody. No. Because then or, you might miss out on something. And the, <laughs> it's, It is a FOMO thing. I said this earlier before we went on. But, like, so I just finished taping um, six of what was supposed to be 15 episodes. I spent a month in Louisville. And I had to rent a SUV to come home because I had so much stuff. Bro. And the thing is, so like, so you're sitting in front of right there. That's a George Dickel uh, napkin holder with original George Dickel napkins from the yeah. 70s in it. Yeah. Like that's a pack of like the OG like cocktail napkins in there, which is, <laughs> is really hard to find. And then this is um, uh, describing for the listeners at home also on the table. This is a Model A Jim Beam decanter that's still sealed with all the juice in it from, uh, I believe, 76, 78. But yeah, got that for 40 bucks. So I get... That's cool, man. My problem is I have this monster bourbon collection. I don't spend money on it. Um, and I get like... T- so I had to actually run an SUV because I had so much stuff to bring home. I always want to have this conversation with myself. And people start to have this conversation with me where they're like, you're a hoarder. And then they look at this stuff and they go, well... Yeah. 
There's a fine line, right? It's really like it's like if I was collecting newspapers or cat feces or, you know, (laughs) stuffed squirrels. I bet somebody out there actually is collecting cat feces. They're like, hey, that's that's a problem. But when it's bourbon (laughs) stuff. Right. No, that's right. I, I agree completely. I have it becomes, a dope old man collection. It becomes a collection. There's a there's a line between hoarding and collecting. And I'm right I am, on it. So, well, I don't know. I'm surrounded by stuff that I would definitely lean much more toward the collection side. I just think that you need to set this place up to look more like a museum. I do. You, you got to put shelves but up I don't, or something. But I don't own it. So, like, I have my... Yeah, this is, yeah. So, I, I have my bourbon room upstairs that I've blown out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... Yeah, your recording studio is a bourbon room slash recording studio. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and that is going to grow. I have to hang up more stuff on the wall because I literally just got back last week and my AC was broken. Uh, yeah. In, yeah, in the middle fun. of a Texas summer. Literally the hottest four days or something of the year oh. so far by AC was... But, uh... Oh. I, I wanted to I wanted to get it all done. That's why we're not recording there right now. Is actually because my table still has all my old decanters on it. We'll go for a show and tell in a bit. Uh-huh. Um, we can but, do a YouTube live. Yeah, but my want. my landlord loves me. But I want to I want to buy a place and then that place will turn into a museum. And I guess I'll have to commit to either never can, having kids or having <laughs> seventeen feet off the floor. Can I just go on record as saying that I collect gold bars? So if anybody wants to, you know, send me some stuff the way the way that you get bourbon related yeah. products sent to you, um, I'm into gold. No, um, so that was my question. You said you had to rent an SUV to come back. Yeah. How did you get up there? I flew. You flew. Okay. So then you. But when you're in a place for like, so it it ended pretty quickly. So I I flew there and I'm like, you can bring back I think six five liters or uh, hold on one two three. Six liters of liquor on a plane uh-huh. if you check your bag. Yeah. Um, I had six liters of liquor in the first week easily because I went there and there's stuff there <laughs> that in the Dallas region is five times the cost of what it is there. Had you already bought the round trip ticket? Are you sitting on I did Southwest on purpose. So oh, good. I could, so yeah. I could dump it. So I got the money back. Yeah, they're awesome. By the way, one of the things I added to my place, my place is all securityed out now. Mm. I don't know if you, did you notice that very I large camera, camera in the corner? I there's like, and, and there's motion cameras. There's one there and there's a couple upstairs. But uh, yeah, I have I have like tricked out my place. Okay, okay. This wasn't something I was going to say the last time I was over here, but I've had that thought like, hmm maybe I'm not even going to bring up, uh, but since you bring it up, I'm glad to hear that you have taken measures. They're HD cameras here and they're, and they're motion sensor and they follow you around, Ooh. which by the way, um, every time I do like, I feel like I've done this show before. Uh, every time I do, every time I do your show, um, we recorded, <laughs> we before. had some technical difficulties. We had a test run. Yeah. We had a test run. <laughs> you have like, to answer the same questions again. You know? I'm so lucky that I was able to maintain my weight in, Louisville, because I have, I've always, my entire life had like weight issues and I've dropped 130 pounds in law school and whatever. But like, um, every time you're here, I'm like, I'm going to lose weight. And then then I'm like, my life is great. What what, what am I thinking? Yeah. uh, You had mentioned when we were last chatting 
I've been mentioning this for years. That 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 you would cut out drinking for the time being. Yeah, haha. Because there's so much sugar and alcohol. Ha 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 ha. And that apparently didn't last, huh? Well, that didn't last. But you look fine. I don't understand what the deal is. Well, I I need to, I still I need to get myself. How were you able to drop 130 pounds? Because that's dramatic. Not drinking. Oh. <laughs> it's literally oh. like wow. like so when I go to uh I I really love this bougie steakhouse. So the problem is that life has been really good, right? Mm-hmm. And so like and I enjoy it. It's not like. I don't think I'm like rubbing in like success or whatever, but like I've I've done okay, mm-hmm. and and I don't like cooking. And there's I live in a tourist town. I live in Grapevine, Texas, and so I can walk up and down the main street, and I'm friends with like all the owners now. That's this is what I wanted, by the way. I I yeah. lived in D.C. I lived in and let Go me ahead. let me reset this here because you like you said lived in D.C. But you wanted to live, correct me if I'm wrong, if I have some of some of these details wrong, you wanted to kind of live in a small town feel that was close to an airport, and you chose Grapevine, Texas, having no other connection here, right? Well, I have my I have a friend, friend in Southlake, yeah, and that's okay. it. A, a nearby friend. Yeah. And you chose Grapevine, Texas, which is right near DFW Airport, but it is absolutely a small town feel with a main street that you can walk up and down. You can walk everywhere. And that's good for you because you don't have a car. Something else we need to discuss yeah. because I do find that fascinating. I'm like the most environmentally conscious <laughs> by accident <laughs> yeah. conservative. So so tell us, you you have this wonderful connection to Grapevine, Texas. I love it. It's like I wanted to live in a goofy tourist town, too, and it's a goofy tourist town. It's the Christmas capital of Texas. Hey, you, you framed the picture I got you. Look at that. I sent a picture of that. So you actually gave me. Yeah. A picture of downtown and like a hundred years ago i i i had framed that that was framed within like a day of you giving it to me and yeah. was on the door i have a bad memory because it's because it's a picture of like downtown grapevine back before it was like developed but no so like i'm i wanted to live in a small town where everybody kind of like i knew everybody and everybody knew me because mm-hmm. i kind of think this is going to be the the biggest ego whatever of the and i don't think i'm famous but like you know my numbers are going crazy on social media and right. stuff in dc like when i was on local tv I'd get stopped on the street a lot mm. and like people would talk and stuff and I have no problems. Like, look, I'm, I'm really grateful for everything, but like I wanted to live somewhere where everybody just kind of knew me and like, I could just walk up and and that's what it is. I used to like, for the longest time before I sell t-shirts and hats and stuff, I used to take them all over personally, get them printed by the place down the street. I, it became unmanageable. Um, and I would take them, walk them down or ride them down on my bike to the, uh, the post office and come back. And like in the mornings, like everybody's out like water in the grass. It's like small town America, but it's not. Uh, here, because like everybody's like uber wealthy down here. Like when you realize, it's like, oh, this is a great little small town in America, and then you're like, wait, I'm sorry, what's the average price of a house here in this town? Six hundred thousand dollars or something stupid. Right. But like you know, everybody, you're waving everybody, and like the you know, I remember one morning, like the the owner of the the one winery, there's like a million wineries on Main Street, like twenty, was like, Tim, why have you not come in? You better come in today. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, <laughs> drinks are on me, and I'm like, I mean, who am I to turn that down? Right. So that's <laughs> I. I started intermittent fasting to like kind of balance it out. But like I like there's a steakhouse like that I, I really like to go into. And they're like, you eat like a bird. And I'm like, yeah, but I drink like a fish. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was that was re- that sounded really deep for like dad jokes. No, that was, so hold on a second. Hold on. Um, obviously, yes, your success uh, primarily through social media. That's pretty much it. At yeah. Tim runs his mouth. But I get quoted like it's it's insane to me again. I don't have a publicist, mm-hmm. and I wonder what would happen if I got one. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like, but you also do podcasts and and yeah, and some not, some not many though, right? And some talk radio work, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, well I host on Sirius, Sirius XM yeah. and and stuff, but like it's always odd to me. So like 
a friend of mine last week said, hey, you were just quoted on Fox and they based a segment around your quote. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so Harris Faulkner had put up my quote. I was I was in I did an interview on Stephen Colbert because I used to be a fan of Stephen Colbert, by the way. I was at his 500th episode of the Colbert Report. I was okay. And um, how that happen? Uh, ex-girlfriend's best friend was the assistant to the executive producer. Okay. Yeah, it's a, did you follow that bouncing ball? I'll have to listen to it. And, and then uh, Kevin Bacon was later. like the next, the next step was Kevin Bacon. By the way. <laughs> uh, that's how, that's how far that went. But like, so we went, but I used to be a fan. And so like I did a little, I did a little interview on Fox um, for Fox online. And, and lo and behold, like Harris Faulkner is doing a segment and it's like, Tim Young's reaction to Stephen Colbert. And it's like the full screen of wow. that. And then they have Jimmy Fila or Falia or whatever his name is that's over there. Uh-huh. Uh, shame on me for not being able to pronounce his name properly. I'm sure he'd be offended. Uh, responding to my quote <laughs> with, it said Tim Young colon Colbert will lose followers or something like that on, on like the bottom of the screen while he's, and I'm like, where am I right now? <laughs> Also, why didn't you call me to right. be on your show? But you know what? I, I just thought it was so interesting. But uh, yeah, you know the the trick, by the way, and I've learned this, and, and I've been real fortunate to work in TV. I used to do this thing that they do in pro wrestling, and I learned this from like I've been friends with pro wrestlers for a while. Where like when you're backstage, you go and shake everybody's hand, and you talk to everybody, and you treat everybody like you literally go and shake everybody's hand, and it's like offensive. It, it was like an old school pro wrestling thing. Huh. And so when I worked at Fox Five in DC for like a year and a half, half of that was COVID. I'd walk around in the studio and in the newsroom and shake everybody's hand. I knew everybody and I made sure to know everybody and be kind to everyone because these are people who will be in TV their entire careers and work their way up. And Fox mm. is like a Fox five in DC. I think it's like the top, I think it's like number 10 market or something like that. And it's also the direct feeder for Fox news. So all of those people there, and this wasn't just strategy. It was just me being nice to people. You should always freaking be nice to people. I just assume, you know, the intern there could become the producer for Brett Bear next week. Sure. Uh, and and that's what's happened, by the way. Like they're all they've all moved up. And I was I, I also learned how terrible on air talent is. And I won't get you to talk about your stuff. And like you've asked no questions. I'm literally just talking here. Yeah. Uh, that's what you get for bringing on a radio. Um, <laughs> but I realized, too, because I would talk to these guys and they're like, you know, so and so is a real jerk. And I'm like, how are they a jerk? They're nice to me. And they're like. Bro, you're. This is the biggest learning experience of my entire career in in local TV, especially. They were like, "Bro, you're on air talent." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "People will treat on air talent like a peer, and then everybody else like trash." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What? This happens? Like, how can you? Like, I don't understand." Because I just view everybody as being on the same team. I just happen to be the the a yeah. hole they put on screen. Mm-hmm. Apparently, not a lot of people were like that, and that was, I was very shocked, especially in local TV. And I know, oh, I know, definitely in radio. Honestly, I think I think that it would shock a lot of people that are fans of media personalities <sighs> to see how they are when the mic is off or the camera is not I'm facing. A You're a who? I'm a I'm trying to figure out how to bleep that so it still sounds funny. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so I just, I think you're right. And, and it stinks that people just can't treat others with respect no matter what their station in life is because you're absolutely right. This isn't the reason why you should treat people well just because the intern could end up owning the place 20 you're years right. later. But that is a, if nothing else keeps you from being a jerk, maybe that motivation would. Let's go back to your very beginning there because you were born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. How was it growing up there? An only child, right? 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize how poor I was until later on in life. So life was great as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's really interesting. Like, you're t- the, the difference between the left and the right now is that the left is teaching people that they're different and they're, they're victims and yada, yada, yada. I grew up, we were uh, a very poor part. So literally right on the city line on the county side, actually. I always say Baltimore, Maryland because it's much. And actually, that's you would write Baltimore, Maryland as the address line on your, mm-hmm. um, on your letters and stuff. But you don't realize how poor you are, and then later on in life, you're like, wait, we used to get uh, food out of the church pantry. Mm. Oh, wait, we used to get food out of the church pantry. We were super poor. Like, I never, I never like, put that together. Life was great, though. Like, you know, I, um, I was taught personal responsibility. Like, it was weird, right? Like, because, like, now everybody's a victim, and everybody, um, as I belch, uh, everybody... Uh, <laughs> is uh is taught that you know somebody's owed something to them and in my neighborhood when i grew up out like right on the the line in baltimore like it was like we were taught that you can work your way out of it it's it's an amazingly simple mindset that seems so profound and different now it's yeah. counterculture to to think that you can work on yourself to improve where you are in life as opposed to just wait for someone else to do it for you also when your parents um are a little bit on the emotional, emotionally abusive side, and they teach you that you're never good enough. Hmm. It really keeps you motivated forever because you're ne- you never accomplish anything, and you're the worst. That and you're motivated to get away from it. <laughs> it was, you know, it, it it really actually taught me a lot, and I I got to end up. I was trained as a public defender. I never I never worked in the public defender's office. It was uh, I was tra- my advisor in law school was like the original head of either the Maryland or the Baltimore public defender's office. It's a shame I can't remember his name because I'm a jerk. Um, I can't remember names worth anything, by the way. Hmm. I may have dementia. I was thinking that the other day. Either you, that or I work on 18 projects at once and I can't remember a thing. Um, you remember my name? It's Keith Melanek. Nailed it. See? Look, progress. And uh, you work with Jeffy. I do. And uh, I do. is this going to be on the place? I just had to drop that in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. That's funny. Let, let's pursue that. No. <laughs> Uh, hold on, before we go, because I want to ask you about um, college. Before we go, is this over already? No, no. Before we go on to the uh, college stuff, uh, I want to I want to address something. Your earliest memory, uh, having a picture taken of yourself at your aunt's house, but you wrote in the in the answer here your aunt's house, A I N T S. So my question is, did you grow up pronouncing it like that? Because I gotta know. No, you just wrote that's it like just a, that. That's because I probably answered your questions on my phone. Oh, that's too. And my my spelling is. Oh, and here I thought we had some some weird southern thing going. It was on this. I was on a. I kid you not. I was on this little. It was an autocorrect. I was on this like turquoise a chair, and she had these like glass little glass figures of like um, circus animals like up like I don't understand. We were poor, so it was like whatever. Actually, the saddest, the the absolute saddest thing that I remember back in the day, and like how you get me, you get a couple of drinks in me, and you bring this up, and I'm like a wreck. Yeah, what are you drinking over there? It's kind of early. Is it just coffee? Coffee. Dang, it's coffee. But it's coffee from. I think this is coffee from. Is it Hoboken Coffee in Guthrie? I'm really picky. Like I tra- when I travel, I buy pounds of coffee from different places. Mm-hmm. Like that coffee was really good from like a certain place. Oh, you know where the best coffee is, right? It's called American Pride Roasters Coffee. APRCoffee.com. Don't forget to use promo code ATM at checkout for 10% off. I, why didn't you bring me any so I could talk about it? That's true. I will next time. I will absolutely. I'm a Calvin Coolidge. The Calvin Coolidge and the George Washington Carver blends are far and away. Is the George Washington Carver blend nutty? It is. Peanutty. Yep. Oh, man. 
Sorry, dude. You like that I understand history enough that... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll bring you some next time. I, so what was I talking about? I told, oh, so, uh, so you oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My college. aunt. My oh, aunt. No, oh. no, my aunt. I wasn't talking about college. We're not past my aunt yet. My bad. She used to save paper from the paper factory for me down the street. This is how poor we were. She used to get, like, the the discarded paper from the... Pa- like, this is some, like, 1930s stuff right here. Like, and she'd have, like, all this... She'd, she'd save piles of like colored paper and stuff for me when i was a kid to like go home and like do construction stuff i'm with but yeah she'd like literally go to the paper factory in baltimore and get a bunch of paper and bring it down like so, leftover refuse so do you think that for, let me ask you this do you throw anything away yourself yeah okay well then I was and i'm selling ex- stuff i'm actually finally selling some of my bourbon because i have a i have a couple bottles that are worth like six thousand seven thousand dollars i was just about to say you, you haven't told me you were going to sell any but then when you said the price then never mind I'm- yeah well that's the thing there's nothing worth drinking that's there's nothing you know like do i want a sip of that or do i want to get six thousand dollars and it's like do you want to tell us your life hack on how you take bourbon and make like really cheap stuff taste like top of the line i just oh i just i i artificially age it so i put like uh this is a real non sequitur interview by the way Mm -hmm. uh because it's me you're actually you're you're counteracting my brain which is like a million places at once this is why i can't remember names um i uh, i add uh uh uh, chard oak staves to cheap stuff i love it let it sit for uh like two months and it changes the entire dynamic of the and you have had me try both this this lower priced stuff that you have artificially aged with the top of the line expensive stuff that and they taste the same. Yeah, they literally taste the same. Yeah, the the spice levels are a little bit different because the uh, the more expensive stuff has a higher proof. But other than that, like if I can find a way to like fake that, mm-hmm. then I'm I could be running a whole scam factory here of making stuff. I find it fascinating that. You went to UMBC for undergrad, mm-hmm. right? University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Did yeah. I get that? Nothing okay. fancy, yeah. Okay. So then you went and you uh, went to Hopkins? Uh, well, I, did, I studied at Hopkins at the same time. I did. Uh, I was part of a uh, uh, National Institute of Aging there. Okay. I did neuroscience research at Hopkins. Yeah, what is that? Studied neuroscience? What did yeah. you do there? Uh, I studied uh, the effect of... Uh, drugs on like kind of curing alzheimer's is the easy way to do it we used to test on lab rats and stuff so i used to run rats around a maze to see if the drug worked on them if they could remember things oh. um and then uh we'd cut their heads off and, and slice their brain into a million pieces do you see any kind of uh, optimistic horizons there for i thought alzheimer's? they had i thought they had solved it when we were there, they had they had a bunch of drugs that were kind of working. So I wonder if they like didn't make people like grow like a second butthole or something, and they had to like can them because the stuff we had was working. Well, that stinks. That well, was in uh, two thousand two. What? It was twenty years ago. So okay, conspiracy time. Mm-hmm. Do do I think that uh, they don't cure things to keep making money? Yes, that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. So okay. Hold on, I gotta I gotta ask you though about the about the, the the mice though real quick. I have a question. Lab rats. The lab rats. I'm sorry. They're beautiful babies. The lab rats. I Hold love them. Hold I on. love rats, by the way. Hold on a second. The lab rats. How do you? Because if they're trying to remember the maze, right? Yeah. How do you know they forgot it in the first place? Seriously. Well, you shock them. So if they go the wrong way, they get shocked, and so they remember the right way because of pain. But how, how do you know the drugs are helping them? It's improvements or not, and time. It's like a time trial. It's a bunch of stuff. 
errors wow. that they make. Yeah, there was you you note errors and then you note the time that it takes for them to get through. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went to law school. I can't believe I remember that it was twenty years ago. Uh, <laughs> but and also it was twenty years ago. I'm old. Yeah, I went to law school. What about it? What about it, Keith? What do you want to know, Keith? Well, what do you want to do? Uh, This was part of my parents. I was never good enough. So (laughs) I was valedictorian in high school, and Uh then I did real well in undergrad, too, and I was doing, you know, crazy stuff. So how do you go from neuroscience to law? Well, you realize that you don't want to go to med school and commit another six years of your life to something. Because I was valedictorian in high school, my parents were like, and I was the first person in my family to ever go to, to college. They were like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I was like, lawyer's easier and quicker. Mm. So that was kind of a thing. That's that's really the, that's the bullet pointing of it. Did you decide, ah, it's not for me? What, law? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I'm a sociopath. And <laughs> I made a girl cry in moot court. Like, who can make a girl cry? Like, that shouldn't happen. It's fake. You're... T- you're like so she was a um it was a criminal case and she was a rape victim and i was the defense attorney and that's what they were kind of like edging me towards was being a defense attorney my my uh my mentors and stuff Hmm. and she forgot the weapon she was raped by but she wasn't supposed to that wasn't like something she was supposed to intentionally screw up on the stand oh no it was like either it was a knife or a gun and she got it wrong and i was like so it was a knife, and then she changed her answer to, like, gun or whatever. You know, like, she flipped it. And I go, I'm sorry. If I had somebody oh, no. violently attacking me with yeah. a weapon, that's going to be burned into my brain for the remainder of my life. Oh, wow. And then, like, you know, there's a lot of objections coming up. and I, It was very much to, like, a TV uh-huh. thing. <laughs> and I go, I'm sorry, if you, can, if you can forget what weapon is pointed to your face, I'm sure you can forget the face of the person that's... I mean, that's much more complex when wow. it comes to that. Wow. And... The girl cried on the stand. And so that, and I'll tell you the other thing Did that made she me fail. So, I hope she failed. She didn't fail. It was like a simple error, but like, and the professor was like, on the edge of her, she was like, that was like, it, it was something along the lines of like, that was like the only exciting moot court we've had in a while. Uh, <laughs> and because I turned, and I like, I turned into a real vindictive POS. And I realized, by the way, and here's, here's the magic of that. So say that's a real case, right? Uh-huh. The next victim of that criminal that I just got off. It's on me. And I couldn't live with that. Like, so if I'm a defense attorney mm. and I and I get this guy off, who very close, by the way, the facts were, yes, he did rape sure. her. Yeah. Um, and that's like, I don't know if that's, I don't think it's meant to like discourage people from being mm, an attorney. That's the effect it had on you. Oh my God. I couldn't like, like I understand that everyone deserves the right to trial uh-huh. and, and the right to be defended and to defend yourself and whatever. But if I get a, a murderer or a rapist off, and he turns around and does it again, that's somebody's life I ruined. Yeah, that's a good point. So then you went to um, get a doctorate in public yeah, policy. why would I do that? Yeah. And then you just got to the point where you're like, you know what, I've I got to go live my life, huh? Yeah, I had enough. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I was arguing with my, like academia, after you get a functional degree, like a law degree, and you go back to academia, like you want to shoot yourself in the face every day. So, okay, um, and you're right. This interview is going to jump around completely. Obviously, you you mentioned earlier that you are primarily known on social media. Yeah, um, at, I guess so. But like, but but hang but on. But am I? I? I don't know. That's what I'll ask you. Hang on a second, because like we alluded to, you've done some podcasting. You do the Sirius XM stuff, but stand up comedy as well. 
I haven't performed stand up in so long. Yeah, okay, but but still, I, that, I need that's to part of your story. Yeah, it is, and and I I really I like desperately want to do it. But the the, the thing is, it's it's very interesting to me because it's the um it's the most work for the least logical reward. I think it's the best to perform for people and make people happy directly and get that direct response. There's a real high to it. Uh-huh. But because I I have so many things going on at once, it is like the last thing I should lo- like. If you if you list all of like if you're doing a million things, it's like the last thing I should be doing because there's such a time commitment to it. Without me having a, a management team or something, which I still refuse to this point, but. Um, but it's really, it's, it's weird, right? Cause like I have this, this is going to sound like, God, I, I don't want to sound like a jerk. Cause I've listened to now three of these. Cause like Landau, like, man, I want to hang, I just want to like sit with Landau and just be his friend. Like yeah. that guy is amazing. Beck runs a business, cut it like a business. The other one I listened to, I was like, I want to like this dude, <laughs> if he falls down steps, I'd shrug. But like. But like, so you're I'm very make, cautious. You're, you're gonna make editing this podcast. Very Do you have to edit that out? I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't think I you have to edit that. that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But like, I, uh, I, I had to ask. I, I was I was on the phone with a, a good friend of mine the other day, and I had to ask him like, "Am I famous?" Because I don't think I am. Nor does the concept strike me, even though people stop me and whatever and blah blah blah. Well, I'm not famous in the way that like. I don't know. If you know me, you know this me. This podcast, you don't, you don't. this this conversation we're having right now, this is what's going to put you over the top. It probably will. <clears throat> but like, it's like it's super, it's super weird because I guess I'm recognizable and I have like a you know what is it like eight hundred thousand or something followers on social media. But who cares? But do you wear your? Because no, I love that, that hat. no hat. Yeah, no, because no. that would be the tip off. I wear hats all the time though. Mm-hmm. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, you can purchase from Tim no hat. This hat that says no. was that from the pandemic, and I'm not going to wear a no. mask. And no, what, what did that start? It was my. It was the most important. Very good question. There we go. This guy's an interviewer here. Uh, it was. Uh, it was my like mantra was no for the longest time. It was the most important sentence in my career. Okay. Uh, whether it be people telling me no or me t- telling people no, and I quit some. Oh man, have I? I've quit some really lucrative jobs. I mean, I. I quit i can't i don't think i'm allowed to say because i got a settlement i quit (laughs) i quit this very large conservative media job that had no metrics attached to it because they were gonna like i was in a wrong direction with this place and they lied about their social media reach and stuff and so um and i did a a online show for them and uh and it's not the daily caller um but uh I, i walked into an office making so i i had stopped making money at some point in my life i went to zero to like do stand up for like a year and a half um straight and then get into media and and i ended up being the young member chair of the national press club and then i did a bunch of stuff and, and started doing like kind of my own version of the daily show for stuff anyway so i ended up quitting this organization that was paying me more money than ever i almost six figures actually more than six figures i quit it because it just was wrong and it took everything in my my brain was broken at this point because i'm making a ton of money nobody cared i could have sat in this job for like years and i gave him six months and i walked out and i i never thought i would have ever done that and that's when kind of no was like solidified for me because i'm like you just have to cut and run like you can't be in like the same thing like it's not just with work but like bad relationships and all sorts of things and also i think the the, the sentence not a word the sentence no is respectful because it's quick and to the point. You're not lying. You know, you're not like, you know, if you say like, hey, let's go to Mexican today. And I go, oh, I don't feel, you know, I don't, uh, just say no, just get it over with. Like, if you don't, you know, it's like, 
but like yeah. that's that's the whole thing is that it's respectful so i got the tattoo no on my arm um and oh when i went to get the tattoo i went to uh i was doing a happy hour tour in houston and uh i was just like i did like all these little cutesy places in houston and then and then i went there was like this whole section of town it must be like some hipster section of town i don't remember where they have like three or four tattoo parlors and i go into this tattoo parlor and i'm like i want to get no on my arm and the guy goes why and i just kind of explained the same thing that i told you and he goes that's crazy and he rolls up his sleeve and he's got no on his arm no, no. period and i just said no yeah yeah <laughs> But like that, that I was like, oh, and so, and then I made a hat of it and I wore it on local TV for a little bit. Um, And I used to wear like, I also have a hat that says like official Tim Young merchandise or some stupid, like (laughs) I've done dumb hats. I used to get made at the mall at Lids. And um, I started doing the little videos online and and I got like 40 or 50 emails and then I decided to start selling them and I sold thousands of them. And it's like, where can people buy this uh, no hat? Mouthyshirts.com. I have a new website. Mouthyshirts.com. I mean, that's that's another thing, too. That's been something I've been working on is, like, getting that up, mouthyshirts.com, with a, a fantastic designer named Christina. Uh, Christina Buttons is what she goes by online. All right, so you obviously have your hand in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I love some of the past jobs you've held. I got to hear about working at a bingo hall for 10 years? Maybe more. Maybe so hold on, more. let me think. It was 14 to, like, 14. the end of law school, twenty, maybe 14 years. 14 years. So what do you Every do at Saturday a bingo night, hall? I used to um, sell the little the little tear-off tickets or whatever that, that like some restaurants have. Like in the... I noticed in like Minnesota, like restaurants have these little like tear-off tickets for like a dollar. You get like a box of them and you can win like I bet there's some really competitive people in there. I bet there's some addiction to gambling in there. <laughs> and like I, I saw so much money come out of people's hands from my neighborhood. And like, like there was a lady who owned like a crab store like she sold crab like steamed crabs and she would come in and she was like our whale and she would drop like four hundred dollars <laughs> to win like five hundred dollars she'd like smack down money and then tip like she just really liked the thrill of yeah. potentially winning there's all sorts of like there's so much like it's so shady like local bingo halls are the shadiest thing and like these guys i mean they were good people but it's like the, it's such a weird it's just such a shady business and it's all in cash. It's all in cash. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So like, it's like, okay. And then there's like an occasional check or something too, but like, you know, they have set prizes and then it just seems, I don't know. But so for a, for a house of like two fifty, I used to sell, sometimes I would sell $15,000 profit Mm. of these tickets to, yeah. Yeah. I was real good at it. There are people who still work at that bingo hall that worked there when I worked there, like that have been there now for like 30 years. And I just think their lives suck. They're like federal government employees and then they do that and they just want the money off the record. Oh. Like it's one thing if your family runs it, but it's oh. another thing that's like, yeah. they like literally, it's insane to me. Like I, I can't I gotta figure out that. a racket. You know, everybody's got a racket. I need a racket, man. Bingo hall. That's what I'm thinking now. I'm thinking that. Uh, all right. You've advised some politicians. Yeah, I life. do that. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? What do you mean? Who cares? I talk. People somehow started coming to me. I was gonna say, like, how do they know to come to you? you I know, don't know. Just word of mouth. Yeah, and then I went to. I used to get invited to stuff in D.C. And my landlord back in the day, Bill, uh, used to force me to go to events. I hate crowds. So have I hate you people. ever given advice to a politician and watch them screw it up? Yeah, because <laughs> they're stupid. 
<laughs> Dude, the problem is you realize the, the more that you get, like, if you want to really be disheartened by things, like, how about instead of chasing down politicians in at conferences and yelling in their faces, how about you just start running for office and you realize how dumb they are to begin with? It doesn't matter how much you yell in their faces or, like, act out. Like, they're just dumb. They're normal people, but... They either have money or they've been pushed by somebody with money to, to run for office. There are very few authentic, like truly authentic right. uh, members of Congress. Mm-hmm. And the truly authentic ones hate their lives and don't want to be there more than a couple of... Like, you don't have to worry about term limits because they're like, I'm going to term limit myself. Mm-hmm. I hate these other people. Right. One of them, I'm going to shout out one on here is Denver Riggleman, that guy. Like, he was not really a Trump guy, but he's a Republican. He's a conservative. And like, he... His wife is a master distiller. He runs a distilling a distillery with great bourbon, uh, Silverback in Southern Virginia. And he's former, I think he's former CIA. Mm. He's he's something and uh, brilliant. And he was he did one term and then he lost his second term and he was like, I'm cool. I'm gonna go work at the distillery and like have a have a great time. Right. So you bring up bourbon. I know that's a hobby of yours, but profession now. I think it's right. That's what I want to ask you. Is the last time we talked, there was discussion of being a part of like a bourbon bar, right? Like a yeah, yeah. That like so as most of fifty percent of my ideas just like get tossed mm. but this one i don't think it's going to get tossed i think it's just going to be delayed a bit because i okay. moved to louisville for a month yeah. and i did a podcast called let's drink bourbon mm-hmm. and it and it was uh with the founder of angels envy wes henderson he, oh, wow. he and his father did it yeah and so he and i he's a co-host we went the, it's very interesting when i'm like i did a podcast with them they're like you interviewed him i'm like no he was the co-host and so we went around and talked with his friends that include like, you know, like Brad Paisley and uh, Bill Samuels, who runs, uh, who, who was the patriarch of uh, um, Maker's Mark and uh, and just really cool people. And we had a great time. And so like, I, I guess I'm, that was the low hanging fruit above a brick and mortar restaurant. But at, at any given time, I have 85 ideas happening and I'm an idea guy. I'm not a follow through guy. Right. And I'll get people in and if people like stay on it. And stay in with it. It happens. If not, it goes by the wayside. But I have lots of, I have lots of what I think are good ideas. But I guess since they never come to fruition, they're not good ideas. Well, I think I told you the first time we talked that, um, and I have no idea how this came up. I think maybe you had mentioned something about bourbon, and I told you I had this dream that I owned some sort of bourbon bar type thing, and that was the most ridiculous yeah. coincidence for me to bring that up and to you be working on that well project. i have i have i want to like, be the first one in the door tim come on i know well you're welcome to i have i have a bunch of people who want to throw money behind it and i just want to make sure that i'm like in the right place to to get it done i think i am but like i just need to probably get a manager get some of that investment money to like hire a manager to like just tell me to do things in b places it's a bad like i'm real i'm the worst at organizing things that's why like when we when we went to re-record this um i was like get it locked in now you're like well what time i'm like just tell me a time and show up <laughs> yep that's how this happened um okay let's see here um, you're talking about how i don't own a car that was like you're supposed to be your first question and i've delayed you all the way through yeah i was gonna get there but let's talk about that why don't i mean i'm fascinated by that because if i didn't own a car i would be so i would be driven insane because within two hours of me deciding ah, i'm not gonna own a car I would need to get somewhere and I wouldn't have that ability. I guess you could Uber, which I'm sure you 
you use, right? Yeah. But wh- why don't you have a car? Because I'm stupid. Um, okay. And I realized this when I when I went to Louisville. No, so I wanted to have a full small town feel, and I didn't want to really go hard on a on a vehicle, and I didn't feel like I needed it if I lived because I mean I live literally off of Main Street and Grapevine. It's pretty nice here, and um, but. Uh, I just I didn't find the need for it, and when I have a car, all I do is go around and hoard collectibles and uh, and bourbon. It's almost like a self-imposed restriction on yourself. It is your ability to go and because because whenever we've hung out, you're like, hey, let's go to this uh, antique store, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go here. Yeah, let's I want to go antique mall. Yeah. Let's I'm go like, bro, money. why don't you just get a car? Oh, because you know I'd rather just use people. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, but so I'm going on almost two years now. Uh oh. Sorry, as you're talking, I'm noticing there's some empty spots up here above oh, yeah. the cabin. Oh, I didn't even, yeah. You got to fill those in with some stuff. <laughs> I got stuff for that. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, have you decided, are you going to get a car? I got one, and it was a lemon, and I returned it. Oh, no. Did I not tell you that? No. So, before I went to Louisville, <laughs> oh. I was going to buy a car rather than rent one, because the rental in Louisville was going to be $3,000. got it down to 700 by the way. So Insane. Uh, for the month. And then I, and then I, it was 300 for the one that came back, but like, um, the one way, which wasn't bad either for three days, but, um, I got a, and again, people give me a hard time cause I'm cheap too. That's the other thing for me being a hoarder. I'm incredibly cheap. So I got a Ford fusion hybrid and I'll tell you this quick story. So like I had, it was a Ford certified pre-owned. I hope Ford listens to this and they give me a car. Mm. Um, it was a Ford certified pre-owned. It was like $22,000, very way more expensive than what it should be. Right, because like everything is inflated right now and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the computer went up in three days. Like so, in the computer in a Ford Fusion or a Ford Fusion Hybrid, like basically the screen is all of your environmental controls and and your radio and everything else you can think of, backup camera and all that. Yeah. So, because it's big in the middle, so that went up in three days. It clicked. They were like, just turn it off, turn it back on. I'm like, sure, whatever, I'll, I'll do that. So, okay, you have 14 days to get a full refund. Day eight, it does it again. I go in, I go, all right, this has got to get fixed. So they reset the computer. And when they reset the computer, I look at the background. And I thought that there was like a little pattern, like a little nifty pattern on the back of the on the screen. No, the screen was warped somehow. So the computer was warped in it. And I was like, uh-uh, this has got to get replaced. So I didn't hear from them for three days. Day 11, oh, I Oh, they're trying them. to run out the clock. That's what they did. Day 11, I call them. They're like, we can get the part in on day 15. I'm like, my <laughs> No, I'm not believing that. And and <laughs> I brought I I was I handed them the key. I was like yeah. money back, and they knew it. Like they were like, well, what if we fix it right now? I go, I'm sorry, you have the ability to fix it right now, and you just lied to me. That makes it worse. Wow. The most like depressing slash angry part of the entire thing, though, when you get a car back, when you return a car, is when and I paid for I paid for most of it outright. I wanted a tiny like a tiny tiny financing so I could just you know help the credit get a little stronger or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the most like depressing slash anger angering part was when the um, the car salesman had to go get a check and hand it to me. I, I don't know if they make them do that, but like I couldn't just pick up the check. He had to come in. He wasn't there. He had they he drove in and had to go to the uh, accounting office and get my check and then hand it to me. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, but like... It's not your problem. Don't sell me a lemon. Right. How about that? Right. And, and don't lie to me either. But so that was me trying to get a car. And then... Uh, so what are you going to do now? Not get a car. Oh, well, I was okay. assigned... Look, I'm very environment... I'm like environmentally conscious, apparently. By by accident. Right. The accidental environment. If I wanted yeah, to argue like Greta Thunberg or whatever, like I never want she flies in private jets, but like I don't have a car. 
And most of my clothes come from thrift stores. Ta-da! And, and antique malls. And a lot of the junk I buy is from antique malls. Mm-hmm. So, like, really, as, as a con- I probably have the smallest conservative footprint as a, a conservative, which is really odd because I'm cheap. When you originally answered my email questions, you were going through a little something. And I don't know if this is still what the was same. was I going through? No. Is it about a girl? No. It's still the same. It's over. It's your... No, stop. <laughs> still the same. It's uh, your favorite comfort food at the time was gingerbread cookies. Oh. Remember, you ordered them from Canada. I have a whole closet full of them up there oh, now. Really? Still? Because... I don't eat them that the, fast. Okay. Because now uh, the end of summer and you've had these things They're for, good through October. Listen, the, the sell-by date the, says October 31st. The Canadian truckers uh, situation was going on when you ordered these. And yeah. so they were delayed and you ended up getting your Christmas cookies in January or whatever delightful. it was. And so you're still you're still finishing those off, huh? I still have ninety percent of them. Oh my goodness! I give them to people though, because I'm a, I'm a delightful person. I want people to enjoy these gingerbread cookies. That Obviously, dollar fifty a box for. You need to you need to find more people to give them to if you're still got ninety percent of them. Well, I might need them. Right, I can't just give them all out. Go on, Keith. What does that mean? I might I might need them for something. You could trade them for a car. I could. I could, I could do that. By the way, I just thought about it. I picked up a cig- I, I'm like I've become like a cigar co- kind of aficionado. You got a humidor here. You didn't yeah. have last time I was here. That's I'm I'm correcting for my carbon footprint by like just there. smoking tobacco and blowing it into like the. It. Does that does that add to the the hole in the ozone? Remember That's, the hole in the ozone? Yeah, that repaired Remember itself. That? <laughs> it's magic. It, it, magic. No, I really like those cookies. I thought you were going to talk about like relationships because I realized why I'm single the other day. Uh-oh. It's because I live in a tiny tourist town that basically the average age of the people here is 65. And you don't have a car. And I don't have a car. When I was in Louisville, so I'm leaving Louisville. And, I didn't like, know you were single. I thought you had a girlfriend. Uh-oh. That ended like three days ago. Oh, no, bro. I had no idea. Well, it's been back and forth. And there's probably going to be a girl who's listening to this is like, he's been flirty with me over the... Yeah, whatever. Oh no, man! I'm sorry. I don't cheat, but like I just so when I was in Louisville, like and it was up in the air, so it was I didn't do any. I wasn't a bad person in Louisville, but like when I was there, I like I met all of these. Like it was great. I I went out like almost every night because it's fun, and I would find new like bourbon places, and I made all these like friends, and uh-huh. like literally the last week that I'm I'm leaving town, like I'm getting messages from different women every day like hey why don't you why didn't you want to come out like women i hadn't talked to in like the three weeks like i saw them the first week i was there and then after this, this is how this works for me okay uh, i like hung out with them the first week and i was like we should do something and they're like yeah and then i didn't hear from them until literally i'm leaving town i'm like cool thanks so much friend are you gonna move to Louisville? no oh okay but i realized that if you have a car you can go places <laughs> right and when That's you nice. at, that are outside of your it, my best friend in town is a 69 year old lady we i'm she's like we're like the golden gr- girls she like she's still actively dating she's pretty put together actually like for being like a, i'm not gonna call her old but like she's very put together and we like go grocery shopping oh and like we go to costco and then we talk about her dating life and i, I share my like dating life. like we are the golden girls does she let you borrow the car ever yeah that's nice. If, but I never do that, though. <laughs> like, if there's an emergency, I could borrow the car. She has a Subaru. She's got the uh, Lesbo mobile. <laughs> and so, and she calls it that. But she's so cool. And, like, she's a she's an old, she's like a Bill Maher liberal. And so we, and she used to live in my building when I used to live in a, a, a apartment building on the street. And we've become, like, best friends. Hmm. And we know everything about each other's lives. I told her, she's got to stop dating Gene because he hires hookers. And you can't go out with Gene 
<laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Drop Jean, would you? Drop Jean. Actually, she just makes Jean come over and do her like housework. She is oh boy she's like like she's my spirit animal and i really enjoy hanging out with her and she's like she says the same thing too we look around and she's like you're not going to meet anybody in this town tim you like <laughs> you walk up and down main street you literally walk and, up and, and down the street and it's all elderly people except for like and like i go like my local haunts include the vfw up the street which is by the way all old people what can you do at a vfw in the middle of the day i don't do anything at the v oh I, you can smoke a cigar there and you can get some nice brisket. They have delightful brisket tacos. And if you check in seven times, you get five dollars off your uh, what? Your meal. Yeah. Where are we doing lunch today? The VFW. <laughs> Maybe. Nah. Okay. I just. No. I. I just. I love this. I love the sense of community, and I love this town. Um, if they could maybe entice women to like. Actually, you know what the other problem is too. Keith, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> While we have a moment, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to not have a chokehold on the microphone over there because, okay, fine. Unfortunately, it's gonna it's gonna blunt what you're having to say. Oh, sorry, I'll I'll cut it out. Uh, <laughs> I've really, I've clearly, I haven't had human exposure in a while, and so I need to talk <laughs> to. Uh, I haven't talked to somebody who's a, a peer of mine in a while, and I just want to talk to you about it, Keith. Okay. Um. Well, you're in luck because uh, there's a, I'm effectively a 46 year old man. Uh, with the brain of a 90-year-old man. So it's not like you're really hanging out with a peer. And I'm a 41-year-old man who uh, identifies as a 70-year-old woman. Oh. Uh, which is just... But so... <laughs> uh, uh, my problem is that when I go drinking, like when I, I want to go out to a bar, uh-huh. I hate crowds, right? So And I like the juice. And actually, this, is, this was the big... That was awesome. The biggest compliment, the top of the Topo Chico he put on just popped off and flew across the table. <laughs> Because of the evil spirits that live in this house. Uh-huh. Um, so, so you go out to the bar. Last night's seance carried over to today. Let's see if it happens again. Uh, yeah, no, so no. I go out to bars, and, and the biggest compliment I ever got, so Bill Samuels from uh, uh, Maker's Mark and Wes Henderson are hanging out. We were doing this podcast. And I was like, I like, my problem is, like jokingly, my problem is that I go drinking at like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Yeah. Hang out with like the owners or the bar managers, uh-huh. like talk juice and leave. And they're like, yeah, because you actually respect the product that you're drinking. You're not there to get drunk. And I go, fun fact. Yeah. But I, but at that point, then I get buzzed by like four o'clock and I'm home. Mm. And so then the people who are in my peer group, who would be uh, ideally uh, someone who would uh, be like a, a partner, a, a dating, like a girl, yeah. a, a prospect, a prospect. Yeah. They work jobs uh-huh. that are nine to five. I run all these businesses and stuff, and I'm like, there are times where you're like, oh, it's two o'clock. I don't work at nine to five. So all the nine to fivers come out at like six, but I'm done at four. Mm-hmm. And so I'm friends with all these bar owners. <laughs> and like, they know me. It's great. Like, you know, like, eh, but I am never around crowds. Hate right. it. Hate it. Hmm. Oh, do you Probably Do not. you still play musical instruments at all? No. Is that when you were a kid? Yeah. What did you play? And as an adult. I could I could pick up almost anything and it worked. Oh wow. So I played like every brass instrument and guitar and piano and Good for you. Uh one of my one of my big things, there's a there's a famous guitarist who wants to really get me to master guitar. And um I you won't gonna, you I'm gonna pursue gonna, it? Yeah, because she was like, Hey, if you help me with social media, I'll give you a really nice guitar and teach you how to play it. And you just, like so and she lives up she's a conservative, but she lives up in like the woods in Portland. 
like outside of Portland, Oregon. Okay. And I'm like, wait, so I get to come up and just hang out in the woods with like you and your family and like your mansion and, and, and they're like, yeah, that's like, so that's the one, the one, like there, there were a couple moments where I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like there were a couple moments where I'm like, this is really cool that I could hang out with these people. And like, that was one of them where it was like, we were talking about stuff and she's like, why don't you just come up and I'll teach you how to play. She's like, I'll, you want to meet women? I'll get you to play the guitar. And it's somebody who's <laughs> written somebody who's written some crazy music. That's the interesting thing too. There's a lot of conservatives that are in entertainment that don't want to say it. But she's like, I can use your guitar right now, and and you'll get you'll pull tons of women. I'm like, probably not, because I'll still go to the bar at two o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be like uh, Phoebe Buffay on Friends. <laughs> so what like was that. the um, the biggest turning point in your life? You say it was when you won the. Uh, vice presidency of your student <laughs> government in high school. Yeah, I learned that if you talk, you can get people to react to you. And I, I there was this. Uh, was there like an onstage performance, like in Napoleon Dynamite? Did you dance to get yes. votes, or yes? Uh, it was, it was this, and it was such like a, a stereotype. And I saw it back in the day. So it was the, the popular kids, like the popular cheerleader, was always uh, automatically became like president of the student government. And I was a geek, and I ran, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, hey, like I, I remember the speech. Literally, this was like a breakout moment for me, and I realized that I could influence people. Um, I was like, uh, "Hey, this is going to be this is this is another typical election between a a nerd and a popular person, and you have a chance to actually change the path and the course of how things work around here." And people, like you, would have thought that I solved cold fusion in front of an audience. <laughs> they stood like I got a standing ovation, and I was like, "Holy moly!" And then afterwards, I get cornered in the hallway by the uh, student government advisor who was like you made jill davis cry <laughs> jill davis was her name what is it with you making girls cry have i talked about making more women cry in this podcast well at the no. uh the the courtroom scene oh yeah yeah well it's because i'm a misogynist um i hate when i hate women keith uh but uh so but jill she, davis she was like you made jill davis cry jill davis by the way when i was i was a chunko back in the day like chunkier than now um uh, she ended up going out with me for a little bit after her high school because, like, she realized she was defeated and I was the popular kid. By the we flipped the and then I turned into a tyrant. Flipped the script. I flipped the script and I turned into the evil tyrant and and the popular kids were the the all the it's all like like, a movie. It was like me and the special ed kids formed a gang and took over. We were like a mob that took over the school. Okay. I, uh, but no, so uh, so she was like, so we had two speeches. One was in the auditorium. One was in the cafeteria. And like after the auditorium, when I was pulled on the side, you made Jill Davis cry. Don't ever do that again like change your speech i'm like cool so i did the exact same speech and got another standing ovation i won 90 10 and blew her out of the water nice and like they knew apparently within the first like so it was my my uh homeroom advisor who ended up being a good friend of mine for a while um uh he said he knew within the first like half hour of counting votes like and there was like i think like 1300 people in the school or something he's like the first half hour they were like this is a blowout <laughs> Like the returns came in from ninth grade. The early they, were like, they were like, she can't recover from this. Jill Davis can't recover from the... Uh, Go ahead and call it. Uh, we've got the ninth grade biology uh, yeah. section. <laughs> so then I turned into a tyrant and um, she tried to run again. So that was vice president. She tried to run again for president. And the, I had installed all... I did, I did a Democrat. I was a Democrat. I was essentially a Democrat in high school. This is why I understand what they're doing now. So I installed, I installed all my people in like and like geeks, like people who would never. And the thing was, like, because I was, I was 
uh, GT or whatever, AP, whatever. And so, like, I only knew geeky, geeky, geeky kids. You know, none of the kids that would drink and stuff like that. And they, they like, were super smart. So I put them all in in charge of, like, the elections and everything else. And so when she went to try to run again for president, when I ran for president, they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forget what it was. They were like, oh, I'm so sorry. You don't meet, like, qualifications, like, three and four to run anymore. Oh, no. And so I blocked her. And then we oh. rewrote the Constitution so that I took all the power away from everyone else except for... <laughs> Me. And this is and the I, high school. And I began a, ter- yes, this was like, I started firing popular kids that made it to, so like, even if they were elected, I made it so that there was like a, it was like a one party total dictatorship. And I started picking them off and throwing them out for like minor things and replacing them with geeky kids. And I had wow. a like totalitarian regime. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. It was, by the way, like it was. I mean, we lowered the like. I I depleted the entire. So they had like a savings for like the student government, and like I killed the whole savings. So this was like, what are we sitting on this money for? Like, why do we have a rainy day fund for a high school student government? Oh no! And so like it wasn't. I didn't spend it on anything good. I was like, so like homecoming. I made the tickets. They were normally ten dollars. I made them two fifty. Mm. And like we would do things like that. And and I was like, so why are we sitting on this money? And so I literally like. I was a Democrat. I depleted a ready day fund. I changed all of the rules. I turned myself into a dictator and I changed the election to win. And Jill Davis right now, who knows where she is? Mm. I Listening know, to this podcast and crying. I know where she is because she's on Facebook and um, oh, no. she's got a, no, she's got a nice family. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if you could go back in history, you'd like to meet James Buchanan. Why is that? Because he was, he was the president that got it. Because he was, because he knew he sucked and he knew he hated his job and yeah. he left. And, <laughs> and like, and he like instead of like dealing with the Civil War like yeah. Abraham Lincoln did, he's like, nah, that that no. Like he played like a delay of game. He's like, I don't like this. And also, uh, as we've discussed on this podcast before, uh, America's first gay president, James Buchanan. He was a well, certified bachelor. <laughs> sure. Also, he is sure. But he uh, he had his ancestors like his his niece or something. Spent his life savings to build... There's a statue to him. There's like a James Buchanan memorial that was built in D.C. And um, I always forget the name of the park. But like the, it's called Malcolm X Park. And there's something other no, mm. another name for it that I used to live by. And the story is like he basically had his leftover money and was like, go build a memorial to me because nobody else will. Wow. I bet it's fabulous. <laughs> it's No, it kind of sucks actually. Oh, oh. But it's this hill... Oh man, I should... Shame on me for forgetting the name of it. But it was actually the original idea was to put the White House on this hill where Malcolm X Park is because it's uh, there's a large hill in D.C. That was one of the concepts of it. But instead they ended up down huh. um, where it is. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, in first grade, you peed in your pants. Yeah. What, what was the story there? I had a new uh, uh, new Boy Scout belt, Cub Scout belt, and uh, I couldn't get it undone. And unlike... Oh, I've been there with those, man. Those, the, the one, it's like a, a jigger to get it like open. And you yeah. Can, yeah. And so I'm standing there and I had to go and I didn't think, hey, there's a fly. Um, like I didn't... Walk. Yeah, and so like I sat and then I peed my pants. But you know, you know what the difference is between going to school in like the 80s, elementary school in the 80s and, and going to elementary school now is that there would certainly be a male teacher around to help you with your belt now. So you want to host a TV show at some point. How are we going to make that happen? I don't know. I don't know if the TV show is even like, I think I'm going to end up doing a podcast because I have a couple of big friends who do big podcasts hmm. and they're like, do you know how much money you're leaving on the table? And I'm like, yeah, but I hate it. Like I, it's so dude, you're in political radio. 
And you do something more interesting, which is this podcast. To get away from politics. It's politics. It's repetitive. Yeah. I feel like every like I'm shocked that my Twitter does well because I feel like every hot take has been hot took. And like, and like sometimes I happen to get something out that does well, but like, I'm so tired of it and everybody wants to be a thing and everybody wants to be a social media thing. And I'm like, I hate this. Like I'm, I'm such a, I'm weird. Cause like I am in the middle of my age and you, you too, uh, of the traditional media model and the, everybody's a social media star model. And you get to deal with these types of both sides of this coin not only on your show, but in, in person, because you have, you know, Glenn Beck and, and uh, Pat Gray, who's very unleashed. You guys, he's, you can't put that guy on a leash. Um, but uh, although he does keep himself tied up in his wires on his desk, which he kind of is leashed, if we really want to talk about it. Fair point. Take the I, 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 that just hit me, by the way. That, that hit, but like, but no, it, the thing <laughs> is, you have traditional guys like that who understand, like, I'm going to do my thing. And like, it's, and then you have people who are like, I'm going to go pull stunts all day long and try to get famous on hits. Mm-hmm. And so I'm somewhere in the middle of that. And I've done the stunty things. I've done the, I was, I was doing um, uh, man on the streets before people were like 2008, 2006. I was doing man on the streets for stuff and like making fun of people and doing that thing. And it just, it's old. <laughs> That's like the whole thing is like, it's just so old. I just feel like I'm a guy who talked and it, it got popular and I don't feel like I'm like, there are people who flaunt themselves around and do crazy things and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to be around people and, uh, <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> like, and I'm not going to do a stunt for things right. and I'm not like, <sighs> I mean, like, I, I have to like come to grips with that. I'm a known entity, but like, also I feel like it's disingenuous for me to do a podcast every day. And cause I think it's a money grab. That being said, I probably should because one of my friends who's has like a million and a half subscribers on YouTube yelled at me and, t- and showed me his financials and was like, you're an idiot for leaving this money on the table. <laughs> he goes, just, he's like, just know you have to be yelled at to do it. it makes it authentic. Mm. But I've gotten yelled at every time that I've done something in my life that's significant financially, it's because I've gotten yelled at. Mm. So like starting t-shirts and, and shirts, I get yelled at by friend like it's like why are you not doing this you're an idiot and i'm like oh, okay so i think this is finally going to happen i got the bourbon podcast because i think it's significant and i think it's fun to talk to like significant people in the industry and, and tell their stories like you do mm-hmm. but it's for me i just feel man like stunts man i can't do stunts right so where do you want people to go to find you on the old internet uh, you got some uh sure timyoung.com at tim runs his mouth is the other one all right well um have we pretty much covered everything you ready to uh Go and have lunch? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. What I mean, is there anything else we need to cover? Uh, I think we need to take a tour of the uh, collectibles you have here. I think I need to pee first because I drink a lot of coffee. Uh, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tim Young, timyoung.com. Thanks so much for making time, man. I you don't want to do another two hours? We can really get into this. <laughs> I thought we were just warmed up. I got to pee too, man. All right, bye. Bye. It was so fun getting to hang out with Tim uh, and literally drink him out of house and home, quite frankly. Um, it's a it's a wonderland that he has set up there, and uh, it, it's it's an experience in of itself. Now, if you would not mind making it a priority to uh, head over to the YouTube channel that we have set up now, YouTube.com/slash at the mic with Keith. 
if you could please subscribe, click the bell for notifications. You'll get notified whenever our weekly episode drops and also some bonus content uh, that we put up there on occasion. And uh, if you want to make sure that you're notified, don't forget to click that bell. YouTube.com slash at the mic with Keith. And of course, this podcast available in so many places and wherever you're able to rate it five stars like Apple iTunes and Spotify, uh, I would be grateful for that as well. All of the places you can listen to this podcast are in one handy dandy location at themikeshow.com. Well, on our next episode, we're going to chat with a co-worker of mine, uh, of my day job over at Blaze TV and Radio. His name is Chris Corby. Uh, he makes sure that you hear all of the audio in your speakers during the Pat Gray Unleashed show uh, and other stuff over there as well. Uh, again, that's part of our uh, day jobs, uh, Chris and I. And we're going to discuss his life story next week here on At The Mic. And as always, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with us here now. I hope that you'll go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.